Welcome to the RPG.pod. You know Dan's going to leave that in, right? Bebop, ba doobop. Bleep, bleep. man Crothers. I'm a scam man. Welcome to the RPGbot.podcast. I'm Randall James, your absent artificer, and with me is Tyler Kamstra. Hi, everybody. And Ashley Lai. Angry warlock noises. <laughs> Those are just regular warlock noises. <laughs> All right, Tyler, what is happening? What are we doing tonight? All right, so we are continuing our discussion on the recent Arnorth Darkana number six player's handbook. We did part one, I think, depending on what order episodes go out, it may have been a week ago, it may have been two. The magic of podcast time. So we talked about everything except classes last time. So this time we're just going to talk about classes because this is really the like big chunky meat of what was in this thing. Love me some big chunky meat. (laughs) Awesome. So, oh, wait, I'm just going to let that stew for a second. Uh... (laughs) Ah. see what you did there (laughs) all right i think the easiest way to get into this before we start talking about everything that was there let's talk about what wasn't there uh let's see okay so between all of the various unearthed arcanas uh we have seen at least one version now of every class except except the artificer Mm mm-hmm uh, now, the reason why is the Artificer will not be in the player's handbook. The Artificer is not a core class. It's not in the SRD. Honestly, at this point, I'm a little surprised they're not bringing the Artificer into the player's handbook, like considering how popular it is and people like started crying for it immediately as soon as 5e hit shelves. But, you know, Watsy's going to do their thing and they're going to stick to their classic classes. And here we are. Was the Artificer, I'm testing my own memory, Artificer was originally published for 5e in Eberron, right? Correct. Correct. Has it been republished outside of the Eberron book? Tasha's. Okay, all right, it got an update there. Yeah, all right. it's it's still not a core class and still not to, uh, in the SRD, much to the chagrin of many a homebrewer. Yeah. Put Artificer in the SRD, please. Yes. <laughs> Is, did, did the idea of the Artificer class actually come in with the with Keith Baker's initial work? Or is it just a coincidence that that's the product? Yeah, the the concept for the class did originate in Eberron in the 3E era. All I will say is, Watsi, you have a lot to make up for with the OGL fiasco, and a big step to doing that is put the dang artificer in the SRD. I'm not asking. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, wild speculation, and, and somebody out there might know the answer. If you do, tweet at me, bro. I wonder if there could be any licensing issue, like the fact that it it's part of the Eperon product. Like, could that be something that would prevent them from actually just open sourcing and putting it out in the SRD? I mean, it didn't prevent them from putting it into Tasha's, which has nothing to do with Keith Baker. And I'm pretty sure Keith Baker would not be opposed to it being put in the SRD. Yeah, I mean that that'd be, uh, that'd be real easy to to to, to handle. 
No, that's yeah. fair. Okay, cool. All yeah. right, so we're not getting Artificer. No, and um, to put that one completely to bed, when we had Keith Baker on the podcast a while ago, he did say Watsi owns Eberron completely outright. Like yep. they have, yeah. Yeah, okay. And that also gives me feelings, okay. Yeah. All right, so let's uh, let's go on to things that make us less sad. Let's talk about bards. They make us sad in different ways. <laughs> <laughs> right. well college of tragedy isn't a baseline subclass <laughs> all right so we got the first playtest version of bards back in one uh, D playtest number two when it was still being called one D. it was grouped with what are being called expert classes so these are classes that get the expertise feature so these are the ones that are supposed to be really good at skills and like fill that skill niche that rogue equivalent so ranger rogue bard the version of the bard then got like the full arcane spell list but it was limited to just enchantment and illusion spells so like you were a wizard but you got like two of the seven spell schools otherwise it was actually super similar to the 2014 rules so not a lot of changes there the the new bard which we just got way different <laughs> Let's see. So bards now get to choose their spell list, which is like a huge conceptual change from what bards have been since at least third edition. So no longer are you like a diet sorcerer. You can now choose arcane, divine or primal. So you could be a diet cleric or a diet druid if you wanted to. We diet anything. So remind <laughs> folks what our spell lists are, because that was also updated in, in the new UA. Yeah, so we covered this in the previous episode, but just to recap, it's Arcane, Divine, Primal. So that's basically Wizard List, Cleric List, Druid List. And there are no more class spell lists, but there are class-exclusive spells. Notably, Bard gets Vicious Mockery as a class-exclusive spell, regardless of which spell list you choose. So built into the class is the ability to magically trash-talk people to death. Perfect. I'd have it no other way. Uh, and then, like you said, I also can pick my spell list so I can be mm -hmm. diet anything that I want to be. And that's pretty exciting as well. Yeah. Um, and as you as you gain levels, the magical secrets feature has been reworked. So it's no longer like you get to pick two spells every few levels at high level. It's now once you reach a level 11, you just have all the spell lists, all of them. Oh, uh -huh. all of them. <laughs> all of them. Okay. Uh, Am I still diet at that point? <laughs> uh yes and no so the bard's big limitation is they only have so many known spells and they're a they're a spontaneous caster so they know their spells permanently and you can retrain one every time you gain a level so even when you get magical secrets at like 11 or 12 i can't remember now you don't have very long to retrain all of your spells into other spell lists from where you started so you are still going to be primarily casting spells from the spell list you started with but like the possible combinations there are still amazing. Like you're going to get all of the best spells from every spell list by level 20. And then the bard's uh, capstone is you get power word kill and power word heal for free. Yeah. So bards are just better. Yeah. <laughs> like they're like, they were good in fifth edition. And now they're even better. Yeah. And uh, they're like the Swiss army knife of magical uh, casters. Oh, and they get magical secrets at 10th level. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think that may be earlier than it was in the 2014 rules. So another rework for Bard's Bardic Inspiration reshaped a bit. 
Yeah, so it's much more generous now. Previously, it was a huge problem where bards wouldn't want to give it away because you didn't have enough dice or like you would give it away to somebody and then they wouldn't get to use it before it expired or they would forget they had it. And it's like, okay, it's very difficult to manage this resource in a useful way. So now frequently you get to use it as a reaction. So somebody fails a roll and you can be like, hey, buddy, I believe in you. Roll this D6. Feels really good, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a nice change. Uh, I, I think there was a, a a moment where also they had they had added a healing aspect in one of the previous UAs, and they mm -hmm. said, "Look, that was actually leading to hoarding, which is exactly what we're encouraging people not to do. So we're going to remove that, even though it's nice, because we want you to give out bardic inspiration." Yeah, and people might be thinking, like, "Hey, why would you hoard a healing resource for in combat healing? That's bad." It's, well, you use it as a reaction after they take damage, so it's like healing word as a reaction. And we all know about hit point ping pong. They also added a new subclass for bards, uh, College of Dance. It's <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. It's basically, what if we gave them roguelike evasion of talents and mm -hmm. allowed them to share that with other, other people? And allow them to do an unarmed strike as a reaction. <laughs> <laughs> Just College of Dance fighting. It's great. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun class. You also get Otto's Irresistible Dance for free, which is nice. Yeah, um, yeah no, I think it's... Uh, I, I was wondering why we didn't have a College of Dance. It felt like a no-brainer, so I'm glad that we have it. Yeah, same. All right, next let's talk about the Cleric. Yes, so Clerics are one of the most powerful classes in the 2014 rules. Um, it's right up there, right next to Wizard. Just not as cool, in my opinion. So. Uh, the changes to the cleric have actually been pretty minor, and the key thing that they want to change about the cleric is they want it to be more customizable, because really the only decision points you get are your subclass at level 1, and then your spells per day, and that's really the only decisions after level 1, like you plan your cleric at level 1, and you're done. So now, um, the choice between being good at spellcasting or getting heavy armor, you make that at level one, and that's your holy order. You get your subclass at level three, and then um, things progress from there. And at level eight, you get to choose between potent cantrip, which is uh, extra damage to your cantrips, or divine strike, which is bad. So extra damage uh, for my cantrip sounds great. Yeah. How, how uh, much extra damage are we talking about? Uh, you add your wisdom modifier. Which, you know, by then, plus four, plus five likely. So, you know, good consistent damage and your cantrips continue to scale damage normally. So those stay really, really good. Yeah, actually, that sounds great. Yeah, comparatively, uh, Divine Strike, which they, they're still trying to make Divine Strike work, it's not working. Uh, they've changed it so the damage type is no longer tied to your subclass which was kind of a big problem because your subclass could give you something annoying like poison it's like oh great half the things in the game are immune or it could give you something awesome like thunder and it's like ah boy it's still a terribly small amount of damage unfortunate uh they haven't fixed the amount of damage problem like on our 5e cleric subclass breakdown page i have a table where i go through like here's the math progression of uh sacred flame damage and here's the math progression of a cleric using a weapon with divine strike. Sacred Flame does more damage through the entire level range, and that's before you account for potent spellcasting. Uh, 
there's almost no reason for a cleric to use a weapon in the 2014 rules. Like you have to try really, really hard and do some silly shenanigans to actually make weapons a meaningful option for clerics. And like they're trying to fix that. They're trying so hard and I love them for doing it. Clerics have a couple of smite spells on their spell list now. Divine Strike lets you choose between radiant or necrotic damage and like basically nothing is resistant to both of those. So that's good. The other big change that people might like or dislike, depending on who you are, is divine intervention. Oh um, yeah, I feel divine. The changes they made to divine intervention are kind of a mixed bag. It's definitely an improvement mechanically, but it's also more boring now, in my opinion. <laughs> so it now always works. It's not like it only works like fifteen percent of the time, <laughs> depending on how high level you are. But it's also less powerful. It basically, rather than a... Sometimes it'll work and it will solve all of my problems when it does. Uh, like a literal deus ex machina. Instead, it's just a thing that always works. You basically get a free 5th level or lower spell cast once per day. Which is cool. Don't get me wrong, that's really useful. <laughs> but it's also doesn't feel like what divine intervention was kind of used for. It was a desperate, hopefully this works. And when it does work, it's freaking awesome thing. Uh, and I get it. Like you're lucky if your divine intervention ever works in a campaign, but when it does, man, was it memorable? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you on a lot of that. Hearing the input from you, I feel like there has to be a way to balance that. Like I can imagine doing something like, rolling a die to see what level the spell gets cast at that could be interesting and so you're always guaranteed to get like at least the first level spell equivalent or second third level spell equivalent but then there's a possibility that it essentially gets upcast for you so then it's memorable the couple times where it really comes through and you get that higher level cast but it's never wasted because it always at least does something yeah i mean i think there's a lot of ways you could fix the old divine intervention either increase the percentage chance by a bit or uh, another thing that you know might be controversial, but I think would work is if uh, if it doesn't work, you can still cast it the next. You don't have to wait seven days to try again. Um, that would because, be nice. Yeah, because the way it works right now is whether it succeeds or fails, you can't use it again for seven days, which just encourages that people are never going to use it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so instead, it's like if it fails, well, no harm, no foul. You can try again tomorrow. Yeah, I think like that, that would a be a huge improvement. Yeah. yeah. The the problem they were trying to solve is when it did actually work, DMs never knew what to do. The only that guidance Yeah, the only guidance was a spell from the cleric spell list is probably appropriate. It's like that. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I, I know that I'm the kind of person who ha I I've been the person on this podcast who's been like, stop relying on DM fiat. So <laughs> I can't really hold it against them that they're trying to move away from that. So fair enough. Um, but that was one where it felt like DM Fiat made sense and had some cool outcomes. And yeah, it's I, I, I think there are fixes to that as well. I think maybe having a player have an idea of what they want to do or suggest a thing to the DM. That way it's not just on the DM to be like, I don't know what to do. It's more of like a discussion thing, like negotiation. Okay, you <laughs> want to do this. I'm not going to give you that but I will give you this and stuff like that. And then it becomes a more of like a collaborative experience rather than just the DM deciding what it is. So like, again, I feel like divine intervention. Yeah. It wasn't used enough, but I think that there were other fixes to it rather than just like making it more boring. Yeah. Like 
I, I agree with you. Like it loses a lot of the flavor. It's very powerful now. Like you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You can cast any like any I think it's any divine spell of fifth level or lower as an action without components, which is great because, you know, it's a fifth level spell that takes forever and has expensive components. Raise dead. Yeah. Or spell slots. You don't even have to spend a spell slot. Mm. So you can just raise dead mid combat. It's fine. No, uh, don't get me wrong. It's good. <laughs> it's just boring. boring yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So, so let's see. Improved divine intervention is now, uh, every 2d four days you get to cast wish without any of the scary parts of wish. Enjoy breaking the game. Have fun, everyone. Yep. Let's see real quick. Turn undead got an update. They've removed the destroy undead part of it, which is great because that has never mattered for anyone ever, at least as far back as third edition, because how often is a like 16th level character going to be in a room full of CR one enemies? Not very often. So now it just does some scaling radiant damage to undead. Like, so that's probably still going to kill those low level enemies, but it's also useful enough that you might actually try turning high level creatures. Yeah, no, that's a good change. Awesome. All right. So let's talk about the Druid. Druid is complicated. Uh, The Druid has always had a very, very like difficult niche in D&D, both like mechanically and all the other things. Going back to the earliest editions, Druids always had like super weird mechanics. They were basically a subclass of the cleric and like you had to do some extra stuff. Like famously, if you wanted to be a level nine druid, there can only be one of those in the world at a time. So you had to go find the other level nine druid and either convince him to go down to level eight or kill them. So, Which honestly, we should bring that back. <laughs> no druids at level 10 or above. I refuse. Not in my world. No. <laughs> all right. So in all in all seriousness, the uh, the druid has actually like they've taken some really big swings at changing how the druid works, especially wild shape. So one of the things that the cleric got, uh, and I, this is actually the cleric, I'm not misspeaking. They changed channel divinity to progress at a different progression. So like you'll get X number of uses per day and you get one back on a short rest. So instead of like, I'm super dependent on short rest to use this cool ability, you can choose like, I can use a bunch all at once. I can meet them out of the day. Everyone really liked that like i really really like that change uh they did the same thing for the druid and was very very briefly called channel nature which like they've been using wild shape uses as a resource for other things since at least as far back as tasha's and that's that has worked super well so they wanted to call it something a little more generic so they changed it to channel nature very briefly but in that same ua where they did it and where they did that they also gave us a new version of wild shape that everyone hated (laughs) uh so no longer do you get to turn into actual animals you get to turn into beast of the land beast of the sea beast of the sky and uh pest form i guess uh small beast uh and like those generic stat blocks lost a lot of the like fun and flavor of like oh i'm a druid i'm in this weird situation wouldn't it be neat if i could turn into uh this really specific animal that can solve this problem i need to be a pelican right now Yes, exactly. Like, and you couldn't do that. You could be a generic beast of the sky. Um, like there were other problems with it, like the level progression and the stats. Like just no one liked that. So I think the channel nature concept got thrown out with the uh, bathwater. 
Uh, so it's back to being called wild shape and you're still using wild shape uses for things like I can get a familiar temporarily or I can fuel a couple of, a couple of other features. So the current version of the Druid wild shape got actually pretty modest changes compared to the 2014 rules. Um, the big problem that they wanted to solve with that was they didn't want people flipping through the monster manual every time you use wild shape. Cause it's like, okay, uh, either you need an encyclopedic knowledge of every beast in the monster manual. You need one article open from RPG bot, or you need to physically open the monster manual and go shopping every time you use wild shape. So they wanted to solve that. So now you get like up to five forms that you know how to wild shape into, and you can change them over time, but that's it. Like, if you want a wild shape, pick one of those. Yeah, you can have up to three prepared, and you can change them out during a long rest. I think the best change that they made, and uh, <laughs> they took my suggestion. I know they probably didn't listen to me, but it was a suggestion that I made during our actually review of the the D&D movie, which was, hey, they should let you use spell slots to just fuel your wild shapes. Well, starting at fifth level, you have a feature called Wild Resurgence where you can do that now, which is fantastic. I'm glad that they did that. It also does solve the problem of like there being like specific like optimized forms because now because you, if you are a druid that just focuses on wild shape, like a, a moon druid, you're going to be using all your spell slots to just change into different forms, and uh, that that allows people to experiment with less used forms which I think is going to be great. And uh, yeah, that's a, that's just a great feature. I can't believe it wasn't in the 2014 version. And also now you can expend the only once per day though, you can expend one use of your wild shape to get a first level spell slot back. That's meh. I don't see me using that a lot because a first level spell slot is not that great. A trade-off for a wild shape use, but I could see me just <laughs> using all of my spell slots to do wild shape because that was a problem. A big problem with moon Druid, as good as they are when you ran out of wild shapes, you yeah. were basically Time done for the day because <laughs> your spells were fine. You, your spells were fine, but they weren't great. And so, yeah, I just remember as a moon Druid and that was the other big thing was, Moon Druids have that one cool feature at the beginning, <laughs> yeah. and then they really don't get much <laughs> after that. Um, so, uh, so yeah, if I don't have my wild shapes, I don't get to have fun. So now yeah. I can have fun as a Moon Druid. <laughs> I also noticed, so they, they had a similar thing to what you described with the Cleric, the option of either choosing Potent Spellcasting or Primal Strike, mm -hmm. which again, do I want improved cantrips or do I want to deal a little bit of extra damage? Do you feel the same way about it? I, I think it's a little better for the druid than it is for the cleric like you're probably only going to take primal strikes if you're a moon druid or if you're one of those weird subclasses like circle of spores that actually expects you to use a weapon somehow it's still not a fantastic option potent cantrip is still going to be the better option like 99 percent of the time but there may be a niche for it um also like you get to choose between different elemental damage types which is kind of cool like it it feels very flavorful the math isn't fantastic okay yeah all right so i, I want to hit on like one very last important thing about wild shape like and really most of the big changes to the druid were wild shape and tweaks to the subclasses so one of the biggest problems with wild shape is hit points Circle of the Moon famously like, oh, I'm going to turn into a beast with twice as many hit points as I do and just soak damage forever. And oh, no, I got knocked out. 
there I go again, turning right back into a beast. So they wanted to solve that problem. So now you no longer adopt the beast form's hit points. You keep your own hit points while you're in wild shape. Now, they did some, make some other changes to accommodate that. Um, like, you keep your armor class, which is great because most beasts have an AC of, like, 11. Um, and Circle of the Moon gets a big pool of temporary hit points when they use Wild Shape. Well, all I will say that that armor class thing oh, that's only right. applies to Moon Druids. Uh, yeah, so if you're a normal Druid, you're using the armor class of the beast. So Wild Shape is better for moon druid wild shape is better for moon druids now but it is worse for everybody else honestly that's probably fine other druids probably shouldn't be using it in combat anyway <laughs> no we should wild shape <laughs> is scat just beatboxing from the 1950s i think so yeah i think that's what happened <laughs> okay boots and socks boots and socks sure Let's go with that. All right. Uh, I want to talk about fighters. Me too. We won't, but we want to. Okay, we'll talk about fighters. Fine. All right. <laughs> so we got we got the first attempt at the updated fighter, I believe, in UA number five. This is where we first got weapon mastery. And they Wizards wants the fighter to be the master of weapon mastery. So they get to use it in the coolest ways, in the most ways, and they get to interact with it the most. So every class except the fighter that gets weapon mastery gets mastery in exactly two weapons and can change them on a long rest. The paladin, the fighter gets weapon mastery in all weapons. And that that very importantly means you can change weapons very, very easily to fit the needs of a situation. So this immediately brought out memes of fighters walking into a room just laden down with every weapon in the player's handbook. And yeah, it's pretty pretty much right. They also get a cool feature where they get to apply another mastery to a weapon. So like I have this really cool greatsword that I absolutely love. It's got cleave or whatever it is. Uh, I want to put uh, what's the one where it does automatic damage? Help me, guys. I think that's I think Nick? that's the two up and fighting one. Graze. Yeah. It's like you could put graze, graze and cleave on the same weapon. It's like, eh, what do I need right now? I don't want to change weapons. So I'll just, you know, just switch masteries. And how often can they change that mastery? Uh, you can, let's see. So you can change the mastery on your weapon. I think you can do it on a long rest, but you can pick which one you use on every attack. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you get to like move back and forth between your tactical options very, very smoothly. It looks really, really nice. I, I, I'm not sure it's actually going to be meaningfully better than just changing weapons because the updated attack rules, you can drop, draw, or stow a weapon for every attack you make. So, like, I'm a fighter, I'm level 11, I've got three attacks. So, with my first attack, I'll attack with my greatsword. I want a different mastery for my second one, so I'm going to switch to a different weapon, use that. And then for my third attack, I'm going to switch to yet another weapon and use that. Like, it, it's a little bit more complicated than that. But, uh, yeah, we're definitely going to see fighters going in places with, like, I've got five or six different weapons for different situations, and we're going to go into combat, and instead of, like, oh, I have my favorite, and I've used the same greatsword since level one, you're going to pick something that actually fits your moment-to-moment needs. Now, the the one problem that that 
people are going to face is fighters still get fighting style. So if you have archery or dueling or whatever, you are going to feel a little more locked into specific types of weapons. But you can still be like, okay, I picked dueling, so my go-to weapons are this flail, this battle axe, and this trident. I'm like, that's my that's my favorite tools, and I'm sticking to them. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about this enough. So we have a fighter in our party now, and I'm going to try to convince that person that they should look at this and let's actually play test this uh, in our ongoing campaign because I'm. You know, we talked about this a bit last time when we talked about weapon mastery. I'm excited about this. I think that this is awesome. I think it's not a ton more crunch beyond where we are today, but it's going to make the fighter feel so much more fun to play. Yeah, I totally agree. Agreed. Agreed. It makes fighters less. Uh, I hit <laughs> it with the same thing over and over again. Uh, so speaking of things that just hit things repeatedly for very little damage, monks monks all right so the monk has been a problem child since probably second edition like they have always been a combination of both bad and culturally insensitive and watsi is setting out to fix both of those things so they're they're changing a lot about how they represent monks in art but also mechanically they're moving away from like eastern inspired terminology so key is no longer key it's now called discipline points it all does pretty much the same thing basically just the names have been changed to be more generic it's about uh you know personal mental discipline rather than mystic key and that's reflected in a lot of the features now um, um, among the changes they made, they increased the damage die that monks do by one step. So instead of starting at D4, you start at D6 and go all the way up to D12. Monks get weapon mastery now, which actually gives you a, a it gives you a good reason to use weapons other than just this does slightly more damage than my unarmed strikes. So you no longer apply your monk martial arts die to damage with weapons. So you're intentionally choosing to use weapon mastery instead of getting that extra damage, but you still have those cool combos. Like I'm going to use a shove weapon. Is that what it's called? I can't remember. I'm going to use a shove weapon so I can knock somebody away and then go back to my unarmed strikes or like whatever combo you want to do, but you do still only get those two weapon masteries. So unlike the fighter, you have to actually pick some weapons that, specifically appeal to your tastes you can change them on a long rest but you're not going to like change weapons every turn yeah and i think the monk was limited to simple weapons not uh not martial weapons yes with the exception of the short sword for some reason Mm. yeah now now it's just simple weapons yeah and it's funny uh uh, small but welcome change they made is uh mm-hmm. the martial arts die now starts at a d6 instead of a d4 yeah. which is good because it was stupid <laughs> that it started at d4. um the, oh <sighs> they also adjusted the cost a lot of of a lot of the class features that previously cost you key uh the discipline point cost is usually lower so your points go a little bit further if you're still just using flurry of blows every turn you're still going to burn through your points super quickly and they haven't solved that problem but things are a little better one big thing we got in this, uh, they completely redid Way of the Four Elements Monk, which uh, was the lowest rated subclass in the 2014 PHB. Almost no one has played it successfully. And since the PHB launched in 2014, there has been a mountain of homebrew attempts to write something better. 
because the bar is buried in the dirt. Very easy to jump across. Uh, so the new version is like, it's not super exciting. It's pretty similar to the way of the Ascendant Dragon. It works fine. The, the math on it is pretty good. The abilities make sense. It's just like there's no customization in it. So some of the flavor is lost. But honestly, I think it fits a lot better alongside everything else. Yeah. Step of the Wind uh, now gives you dash and disengage. And so it feels really nice that you can basically like hop in and out of combat. And like the resources make sense that that would be how you would use Step of the Wind. So it's a nice little improvement. That's true. I think I think I may have missed that one. Yeah. You always had to choose, like, do I want to go really fast or do I want to move safely? So, yeah, that's a big improvement. So, Tyler, uh, they're, they're better. Um, they still have some fundamental resource management issues. Like, until we get a decent pool of resources at low levels, I don't think people are going to be happy. How about we <laughs> double the number of discipline points? <laughs> feel like honest that would fix it honestly that <laughs> give us two that for every might level be fine like at least two at every level until level 10 and then one after that like they outright monks need more points do they uh 2014 or new yeah. do they restore discipline points on a short rest at all Yes, they are restored on a short rest, but okay. considering you're expected to use like one or two points a turn when you have like, oh, I've got four points. I'm expected to have two to three encounters between rest. It means I get to use my class features once per fight, maybe. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. let me sell it that way. Yeah, uh, my my suggested fix in our written response is um, uh, wisdom modifier plus level and then like slow the scaling at level 10 i can't remember exactly what i said but basically you end up with 20 at high levels but you start with a higher cap so that you can like you can use your features at low level but the ceiling on the power isn't any higher so like they could fiddle with the math i'm sure they can come up yeah. with something better than what's there but yeah monks need more points Honestly, wisdom yeah. modifier plus level is not that bad. I mean, at most, it gives you five extra points at twentieth level, which is yeah. not a game changer. <laughs> plus, it's it's more motivation to not go twenty dexterity, sixteen wisdom, and then go for feats. <laughs> Maybe sack yeah. hit die to get points back. Like, not even on a short rest. Just I will give up this hit die and take a point. Oh, that's actually a really cool idea. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, trying on yeah. your inner resources that's not bad all right uh paladins i'm i am most excited uh and i hate to say this uh about their horses <laughs> all right well let, let's hit the horses first uh we're gonna beat that not dead horse so they did update fine steed again i think this is like the third time they've tried since the one D D playtest started because fine steed has always been kind of difficult the new version is really really good about specifying exactly how it works when you ride the horse which has been my biggest gripe because it's an intelligent animal you're no longer allowed to use it as a controlled mount which means all of the mounted combat rules are basically out the window now it specifies when the when the paladin is riding their their steed it is treated as a controlled mount and then like has these other things like it has specific actions it can take so it's the rules are very clear. Everything makes exact sense. It shares your turns, so you don't have to worry about like, oh, I'm going to have to ready an action until my horse gets into position. Great. 
it it's just all around like this is the best uh, this is the best improvement we've gotten to the mounted combat rules since the 2014 PHB was written <laughs> like finally something also the stats on it are pretty good and you get to choose a flavor and they get thematically appropriate actions you can have a celestial a fae or a fiend and they feel like they feel somewhat meaningfully different they don't work a different way but it's pretty cool um and then yeah just when you cast the spell at fourth level or higher it also gets a fly speed so yeah it's cool i like it a lot and in fine steed of course is the class specific like paladin only only paladins get fine steed yes once again uh previously previously in the ua clerics also got fine steed because it was just a spell on the divine spell list and everyone immediately said like hey wait a minute why are clerics so much better at having paladin mounts than paladins are so they fixed that <laughs> so yeah. to stop it yeah and yeah so, so you uh you pick the flavor like you have fey you have fiend you have celestial the fey as a bonus action the steed teleports with the rider to an unoccupied space uh with the fiend uh, the, the fiend can basically stare down an enemy and frighten them. Um, so just like, you know, glowing eyes, like, oh, spooky horse, I have to, <laughs> have to do something about this. Uh, and the celestial can uh, heal folks. So, yeah, nice little touch. Yeah. All right. So can we talk about smiting? I love to smite. Yeah. Okay. So one of the absolute most satisfying experiences of playing a 2014 Paladin is critting and then smiting and just dropping a mountain of D8s on people. D8s, D6s. I, I make that mistake so frequently. So Wizards has learned over time that the experience of a Paladin rushing into a room and then like triple smiting the first thing they see and just ending encounters in one turn not super fun for the rest of the party because no one else really gets to participate and you also get the five minute adventuring day problem where it's like oh, i've spent all of my highest level spell slots i would like to go to bed now and the wizards are like hey that's my trick <laughs> um so previous attempt at the paladin um paladins got cantrips at level one and major changes to smite that like just the wording was just a train wreck so they tried again and this time it's better it's still nerfed compared to the 2014 rules you can no longer smite more than once per turn notably so paladins get all of the smite all of the smite spells except i think two prepared for free depend like assuming you're of the appropriate level so at level one you get divine smite which is just the baseline smite and it's a spell now and you also get like thunderous smite or whatever it is um so since since it's a spell, like you can only cast one leveled spell per turn, famously, uh, it costs a bonus action to cast, but you cast it when you hit. So you can still use it on a crit, which like a lot of people thought we lost, myself included, in the previous UA because of the wording changes. So you can still crit smite, but you can't smite more than once per turn. And the fact that Divine Spite is now a spell brings in all of these other problems, like got a verbal component so you can't smite in an area of silence or if you're uh if you're deafened you might just fail to smite like all these other annoying things it's it's better than it was in the previous ua i think there's still room for tweaks to make it better you get one free smite a day i mean there's there's a little bit of frustration there though right like i i hit and so mm -hmm. i go ahead and use my one smite for my turn and then on a second attack i crit and I have already burned it. Yeah. Or, or I play it the opposite direction and I miss on the second attack and now no smite for me. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's not it's not perfect, but I think that it is an improvement over 2014 rules because yeah, I do think that the problem of just constant smiting every turn uh, <laughs> was a little bit ridiculous. But that's just me. I know that uh, people will vehemently disagree with me. Do I think it's a perfect solution? No. But I think that it's a solution that to a problem that does exist. Why is that Marshall character having fun? Stop that. Stop that. (laughs) (laughs) You can still have fun. Just the problem with Paladins was that they felt a lot of times they felt like they were the only (laughs) ones. They are a lot of fun. All right. Uh, I suppose it's time that we step into Rangers. Okay. So Rangers, you had another problem child for several editions. So the Ranger also appeared in Unearthed Arcana number two, right alongside the Bard and the first attempt at the Rogue. And the changes weren't super well received for, you know, a lot of reasons. And like part of the changes around them is how the spell lists are changing. Let's see. So they don't want to lose a lot of the like explorer flavor of the Ranger. They don't want it to just become a primal rogue, basically, which, yeah, understandable. So they're they're trying to strike that compromise between how do we give you actually useful features and how do we give you these iconic features that Rangers have had for as long as there have been Rangers, like favored terrain, favored enemy, those things. Hunter's Mark has been iconic to the Rangers since the 2014 Player's Handbook. So they've made changes to a ton of things. Um, Hunter's Mark notably is uh, it's a Ranger exclusive. It was briefly just on the primal spell list, which would mean Druids got it. Bards could now get it. Other classes sometimes. Now it's a Ranger exclusive. Favored Foe is gone, but you get to cast Hunter's Mark a number of times per day for free equal to your wisdom modifier. So you get a few of those for free. It also got changed. So it's now the damage only applies once per turn. Mm. Yes. Hmm. Indeed. But the, but the trade-off is that it now scales with the spell level that you use it for. Yeah. So there is more of an incentive to upcast it to higher levels. It both lasts longer and does more damage, but the, you know, the big change there is there's a smaller gap now between a heavily optimized ranger and, you know, someone playing their first ranger and just, you know, getting a handle on the rules. So it's no longer, I'm going to figure out how to get as many attacks as possible so I can get tons of damage out of Hunter's Mark. It's now, okay, I'm going to do this damage once per turn. I just have to make sure I hit once and then I'm good. And that's my big damage boost. So it's, it's less impressive. It's easier to use. It's more accessible, but it like the, the skill ceiling on the ranger has been lowered quite a bit. Hunter's Mark is a concentration spell, so there's an opportunity cost to have it going. Are the alternatives that you were choosing between maybe more attractive now that Hunter's Mark is only adding that additional damage once per turn? Entirely likely. So the the alternatives you'll look at as you gain levels are magic weapon and elemental weapon. And um, I believe our our Hunter Ranger handbook goes into the math on like Hunter's Mark, Elemental Weapon, and Magic Weapon. And as you gain levels, those spells get, you know, mathematically much better than Hunter's Mark, and they're easier to use because you don't have to put them on a creature. It's just, I have an hour of real good at this weapon. I'm wondering if they expected the free uses of Hunter's Mark in the new version. I'm wondering if they they expected that to be cast at your maximum spell level because they didn't say that. And, like... I'm level 20. Uh, is my 1d6 once per turn free Hunter's Mark going to matter to me? 
No, not, not at all. all. No, yeah. Why would I commit concentration to that? That's nothing. Yeah, there's there's a ton of room for improvement here. Still, we'll see what happens. Take away concentration for hunters, Mark. Oh, that's what they did in the previous version. Um, and it, it was too powerful. Uh, but they also still had it applying every time you hit. So it was no concentration. Uh, you got to cast it for free, applied every time you hit, and the ranger did so much more damage, it was impossible to build a rogue to be competitive with the ranger. Mm-hmm. So have it once per once uh, hit once per turn. I- no concentration. Maybe. Does that feel solve better? it? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely better than what's there now. <laughs> they, let's see, so they also gave Favored Terrain another look. That has, uh, I've always hated that feature. It has always been a pain. It's like, oh, yes, my character's Favored Terrain is forests, and we're going to do some adventuring in forests until, like, level five, and then we're going to go somewhere else, and then we're going to go to the Outer Plains, and there's no forests on the Plain of Fire. So now you get to change your terrain on a long rest. So, like, it's no longer like, I grew up in this one terrain, I'm very familiar with it. It's now like, I've been here for a day, I've got the lay of the land, I can use this thing. It's still mostly a ribbon feature, it's not going to matter a whole month, a whole lot, but it, it's at least usable now, which I like. Yeah. Okay. Um, they, are, they still haven't brought back Favored Enemy, which is probably for the best, because it's mm. like, <laughs> what if I was a professional racist as a class feature? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you when you spin it that way. Uh huh. Yeah. What if I just picked two types of humans and was uniquely good at killing them? Like, ah, no. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you put it that, I was thinking more like dra- dragons and undead. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, like oh. those are always better options anyway. But it was it was always super weird that you'd be like, I. I'm going to pick humanoids. I only get to pick two specific types of humanoids because if I could just pick all humanoids, it would be too powerful. It's like, oh no. So I've, oh. I've chosen, I've chosen kinder and kinder again. So just don't let, don't, don't let him pick you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't, don't let him pick humanoids. Honestly. The yeah. Well, well, but then that's what it's like. The thing that you probably spend most of your time killing, you're just like, oh, mm-hmm. no, Okay. Um, it, it also was never a super great feature though because it was like uh, I'm going to pick dragons because dragons are big scary monsters but the problem with picking dragons is you're going to face like two maybe three of those in a character's entire career most of the time because they're supposed to be big scary creatures yeah any more than that you're probably just going to die yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> just going to stick to that that's uh, so we're for the ad breaks. Yeah, I, I'm, I dig it. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's talk about rogues. All right. Um, rogues are cool. Rogues are cool. I like them. Yeah, me too. Like, okay. So over time with the 2014 rogue, people figured out that you could sneak attack outside of your turn because sneak attack applies once per turn. Not not once on each of your turns, once per turn. So 
the obvious answer is, okay, how do I get an opportunity attack? Like, how do I get some other attack outside of my action? Can can the Battlemaster fighter use Commander Strike on me and we can get another sneak attack in? Can I get haste and then use my regular action to ready an attack and then attack twice completely on my own in the course of a round and get two sneak attacks? So, like, there were ways that you could effectively double your damage output beyond what Wizards expected you to be able to do. And Wizards saw that and thought... That's a bug. We di- we didn't intend for any of that to happen. Please stop. So the the Unearthed Arcana number two, they attempted to fix the rogue, and it was basically like, okay, here's the 2014 rogue worse. <laughs> um, like they, hey, they, they you're having too much fun. <laughs> yeah. Stop. Yes. Uh like they basically no serious improvements to how the class worked. They just clamped down real hard on how you could use sneak attack. And they also uh, they also looked at the thief's fast hands feature and were like, okay, no one is using this because it's completely unclear except RPG bot who's figured oh. out that you can use it to throw alchemist fire. So we're just going to make this way less useful and not give you anything in return. So it was just like all across the board, just took a bat to the rogue. Everyone was sad. I also think that in the early versions of yep. D&D, you couldn't yeah. crit with sneak attack anymore, right? Yeah. Yes. That was a stupid idea. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it, it was specifically worded like to not... They specifically avoided the phrase extra damage because whenever something says extra damage, you can multiply those dice. And that's how you know it can multiply on a crit because it's extra damage added to the attack, not damage from a separate source such as like uh, a lot of animals that deal poison damage like i deal this much damage with my attack and then you make a saving throw and might take extra damage that damage not multiplied because it's a separate source anyway current rogue way better we're back to smite uh, smiting we're back to critting uh we're back to critting with sneak attack um it is still limited to i believe once on each of your turns which is fine I'll, i will tolerate this but they've given us something that dnd 3.5 had that pf1 has had for a very long time at least since pathfinder unchained now you can trade sneak attack dice for rider effects on your sneak attack they're really really cool and they're very cool plus you mm-hmm. also get access to weapon yeah. masteries as well <laughs> oh man so rogues are awesome <laughs> rogues are rogues are basically I yeah. want to control the battlefield. <laughs> Martial yeah. classes are so <laughs> Yes, cool. uh, like rogues were very, very highly <laughs> rated in the 2014 rules because they're just so much fun to play. Like as time went on, like as yeah. rangers got better and better, uh, ra- rogues fell behind a little bit as a striker. Like they weren't that big signature damage dealer anymore, but they were always still really fun to play because like, they're durable. They're hard to kill. They're hard to keep in one place. They've got all these skills and sneak attack is just still very satisfying. So they've leaned hard into that. Now sneak attack is much more versatile. Like you, you can trip creatures you can poison them um, at high levels one of the options is just knock out con save or they're unconscious for Done. a minute uh-huh yeah it's so cool uh-huh. uh or you can blind a person like and what's also good about this which I, I was i was worried i was just like okay so those are cool but i feel like we can have some more and then immediately uh-huh. they added more for the subclasses each subclass has like at least one 
rider that yeah. a unique rider they can add. I'm like, that's cool. That's makes yeah. rogue subclasses actually cool because the problem that I have with rogue subclasses is like maybe one or two that are actually fun <laughs> and the rest are just meh. Thief ones th- yeah, thief um, was good now. Like stealth attack yeah, is stealth attack. Uh, you can good. attack from stealth and uh, <laughs> without giving away your position, which famously, you know, with the stealth rules, you were intended to hide attack, use cunning action to go back into stealth. Yeah, you can just you can just hide and don't have to attack and hi- hide on all the same action. If you add that rider to your sneak attack, it's it's great. It gives each subclass like a really unique way to stand out and add to the class which i really appreciate yeah the the buff to fast hands oh boy uh okay so 2014 fast hands you could take the use an item action as a bonus action now what can you do with use an item use blank stairs nope oh yeah drink the potion (laughs) nope oh yeah (laughs) exactly uh, Caltrops, Alchemist, Fire, basically any mundane item in the player's handbook. Okay. Yeah, that's about the exact response. Um, okay. Now, very explicitly, you can use the magic action to use a magic item. That means wands, scrolls, potions, etc. So yeah, like mm-hmm. Thief is real cool now. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, yeah. rogues also get weapon mastery. I think we said that briefly. So you still only get two items, but yep. there's some there's some weapon mastery options in here that are very specifically for rogues, namely Vex and Nick. So Nick lets you so you attack with a Nick weapon, and then you can make the two weapon fighting attack without spending a bonus action. So that means you can do that without cutting into cunning action. So you can still attack twice and then run away. Alternatively, you can get a Vex weapon, which if you hit your next attack before the end of your next turn is made with advantage. So you can have cascading advantage against the same target for the rest of the encounter by hitting them over and over again with that Vex weapon. Of course, you also get um, the steady aim optional class features rolled into the class now. So if if you're okay standing still, you can just spend a bonus action and get advantage. It's advantage on easy mode. Uh, That's going to be great for new players who aren't doing stuff like hiding. Um, Definitely going to make the rogue a lot more playable for new people. Yeah, rogues are just cool now. Um, Assassin did get adjusted. Uh, Assassinate is no longer crazy damage that you can never actually get. It's now like modest improvements that you can get pretty much all the time. So like some pluses, some minuses. I'm not sure how I feel about it yet, but uh, it's no longer like I'm just going to take three levels of rogue to break everything else. It's now actually a subclass that you'd want to play. Yeah, nice. All right, uh, let's step over to sorcerers. Okay, so we haven't seen a ton with Sorcerer yet. Like they weren't in they weren't in UA number six. Uh, basically, the only new things that have changed about them is the subclasses are getting renamed a little bit. They're moving away from the concept of bloodlines to like you can get this from a, some magical source. It might not be genetic. Basically, the only big changes we've seen are to meta magic. Like they're changing how a lot of the meta magics work, updating the wording, adjusting costs. Twin spell notably no longer lets you cast one spell on two creatures. It's now I cast the spell last turn. Now I'm just going to spend sorcery points and cast it again. So like if you're spamming the same leveled spell every turn, it's more efficient than converting points to spell slots. But it's it's very much not the same thing. Yeah, I like okay. I, I liked being able to hit two creatures with the same spell. That yeah. was great. How yeah. dare they? 
Exactly. Yeah. Twinned haste uh, was like such a fun combination for sorcerers that everybody loved. The sorcerer gets to feel cool because they cast twinned haste. Two of their party members get to have haste and like everybody's having fun with that. I don't know why they're taking that away and it made me sad. Yeah. Or, I mean, the thing I love to do is uh, like twin spell dragon's breath on two partners. Like, Hey, yeah. uh, I noticed that you don't have, you don't have a great range solution except for uh, throwing javelins. My barbarian friend. What if you could breathe fire? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sad to see it go. I hope it comes back. Yeah, yeah. me too. <laughs> All right. I guess let's move on then. Uh, Woolock. Oh, boy. Ash. <laughs> How do you really feel about yeah. it? Yeah. Warlocks suck. <laughs> Stop messing with them. Bring me back yeah. the regular warlocks. Boo. Boo. <laughs> Bad touch, Watsy. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. So warlocks famously have their own version of spellcasting called pact magic. And uh, pact magic 2014 rules let you get your spell slots on a short rest rather than a long rest, which meant warlocks were very, very heavily dependent on taking long rests to function. Um, now, other classes generally could limp along. Like, they might have some options. Um, they might have some options which they would get back on a short rest, like Channel Divinity, Action Surge. But, like, if you were caught in a fight and you didn't have those things, you were going to be okay, most likely. Uh, warlocks were notably the exception. And Wizards is trying to make short rest less essential with a lot of things. Like the changes to Channel Divinity, you get so many uses per day based on your level, you get one back on a short rest. So like if you don't take a short rest in a day, you'll still be fine for the most part. Which, yeah, I guess that that direction is directly problematic for Warlocks because Warlocks are, you know, solely dependent on short rest. I mean, yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I use short rest all the time like i don't know where this idea of nobody uses short rest come from i use them all the time <laughs> like literally they are one of the most common types of rest besides long rest i never ran into the, maybe i just run games differently but i never ran into this problem where my players were not taking short rests because they were usually taking short rests so i feel like watsi set out to solve a problem that wasn't a problem well, I, I think it depends on how people are playing the game. I my, my impression of this is there are a lot of folks who are running tables where they're not really completing the adventuring day. They're doing the, I've had one big battle, I am now sleepy, let's all go back to town. And if, if that's, as a DM, if that's what you want to play, if that's what your table wants to play, I understand it. But at that point, I still don't feel like the Warlock is suffering, right? Because you're getting your long rest, they're getting their spell slots back too. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I will say I, I hope, you know, as, as folks gain more experience, as folks play more often, I, I think learning to drive your players through the resource attrition of like, I'm, I'm out of resources and I have nothing left. That is the most fun version of fantasy tabletop in a lot of cases. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and even if we grant them the fact that, okay, maybe the short resting was an issue that needed to be addressed. Sure. Okay. There are other ways to fix war, fix warlocks, quote unquote, than just completely gutting them 
and taking everything that made them fun and unique and basically turn them, turning them into a glorified eldritch knight. Okay. All right. Let, let's pause for a second. What did they do? Okay. All right. So warlocks have famously had pack magic for forever and everyone has always loved it and it's always been perfect. And how dare you? Um, <laughs> mm, I know. <laughs> I didn't say it was perfect, but it was better than what they did. Yeah. So uh, they've been turned into just another half caster. So you get the same spell casting progression as paladins, rangers, artificers, etc. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So thanks. I hate so, it. So what we used to have is like, oh, I, I have a small number of my highest spell slot. Mm -hmm. And sure, I don't have a lot of spell slots. I gain them back on a short rest, but I have a lot of this high level resource. And now they're like, nah, just half caster and we're done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why would you do that? <laughs> I think also the main issue and the, and the big reason they can say it's about short rest, but I think the main reason that they did this was because they saw how people were playing warlocks. Name the last time you played a warlock from level one to 20. I look, I've played, like, played anything from one to 20. I've done it like once. No, no, but what I'm saying is like just pure warlock. When was the last time you played uh, just a pure warlock without multi-classing the warlock? Without multi-classing, fair. And that's the problem that they were trying to fix was mm -hmm. that people were dipping into warlock. People weren't like exclusively playing just warlock. I think that's the problem they were trying to fix, which is fine. <laughs> but thanks, I hate it. Uh, please just go back to the way it was. Okay, so I'm okay. <laughs> I'm gonna continue to disappoint you because they made that worse too. <laughs> um, all right, okay, yeah, all right. So we're gonna finish with the spellcasting real fast. So you're now a half caster, arcane spellless. So you're literally just a worse wizard base. Uh, you still get eldritch invocations at the same rate. Mystic Arcanum is how warlocks got high level spell slots. So you would get one spell slot at six, seven, eight, nine, and you would get one spell. Like, you, you know one spell, and that is your one spell at that level. You get to cast it once per day. I hope you enjoyed it. Now, Mystic Arcanum is an invocation. So in addition to the changes to your base spellcasting, so you're just worse at spellcasting than you were previously, now you have to spend a Mystic Arcanum to get those high-level spell slots. So the best build choice for a Warlock under this system is to take Mystic Arcanum at every invocation slot and by level 20 to just be a wizard with fewer spell slots. Thanks. I hate it. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, <laughs> this feels bad. bad. <laughs> it does. The, the community response was not good for good reason. Yeah. You, you, you took mm -hmm. away the thing that made warlocks unique. You took away the thing that made warlocks interesting, mm -hmm. which was the invocations and the customization. And just basically said, yeah. you, it's a feet tax now. And it's like, cool. So I can basically be just a slightly worse wizard. Yeah. Why am I yeah, playing exactly. Warlock? Uh. <laughs> Remind me, what edition did Warlocks come in? Third. Third. Okay. And and was the casting similar in third edition? Uh, they didn't have spell slots. Uh, so Warlocks got Eldritch Blast as their core feature. And then they got invocations to customize with. And your invocations could let you learn certain spells that then you could cast at will okay 
it was very, very rare for those spells to be above second level, but it was basically like, okay, I could cast darkness as many times per day as I want. You could do stuff like a random's favorite combination. Um, I can cast Eldritch Blast 600 feet away, and I'm a flying ball of permanent darkness. I can see you. You can't see me. I'm just going to enjoy shooting you. <laughs> Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah, this feels bad. I, mm-hmm. they, they should try something else. Boy, I hope they do. Um, let's see. So one one of the famous warlock dips is the hexblade because it lets you use charisma for your attack and damage rolls with a weapon. So great for bards, great for paladins. The hexadin is like the go to paladin multi class. They made that worse, and it's no longer a feature of the subclass. That's just a thing that Pact of the Blade does. Uh, so you can multi class into warlock get like get that charisma to attack and damage oh also they change it so you can choose your spell casting ability i believe it's between intelligence and charisma wisdom may be a choice so now not only is it a problem for paladins it's a problem for every spellcaster. thanks i hate it <laughs> yep i like uh, i th- there's been a long-standing debate about whether warlock should be intelligence or charisma based i'm firmly in the charisma camp Same. because you're con- you're convincing a patron to give you spells. You're not, if you wanted to study stuff, you would have been a wizard. I was very bad at being a wizard. Yeah. So instead <laughs> I cheated. Yeah. Cheated and asked the teacher for the answer key. <sighs> I see what they're trying to do. It's not working. Yeah. They're tr- again, like mm-hmm. a lot of it is trying to solve problems that didn't really need solving. They didn't, they thought that they, the warlocks were too reliant on short rests and they wanted to get rid of short rests for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, and they wanted to eliminate the multi-classing problem with warlocks, which is like, just let people multi-class into warlocks. So I, some people play vanilla <laughs> warlocks. I don't know why you would do it, like, but people do it. So just let people play the game. Yeah, I, I think you're right about the like high-level multi-classing problem, though. Like the, the solution there is to make high-level warlocks better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because uh, high-level warlock features are really underwhelming, especially for their subclasses. I don't know if you've looked at the subclasses, but yeah. high-level subclass features for warlocks are garbage. Frequently. <laughs> yeah. Well, now it's worse. Yeah. Yeah. Now yes. it's just purely <laughs> worse across the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So speaking of which, wizards. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh. Wizards, I love them. Okay. Uh, All right. So imagine if you took the best class and had to figure out what can I give them to make them better? What would you give them? A nice hat? I don't know. Pointy. Uh, Super pointy. (laughs) Super pointy. The ability to create their own spells. Yeah. Okay. So a a lot of spells are named. uh, Tasha's Hideous Laughter, Bigby's Hand, Melf's Acid Arrow, like iconic spells named for the wizards who created them and now wizards wants you to be on that list of people who made cool spells uh now previously like there are guidelines i'm not going to say rules there are guidelines for this in the dungeon master's guide saying like here's how you could do this please be careful um now it's just straight up a wizard mechanic you can customize a spell to change some aspect of it to give it some extra thing like you can extend its range or change its damage type or make it not target your allies so you can be like this is tyler's magic fireball i throw it into room into a room and it incinerates anyone i don't like and only anyone i don't like so like 
it's a really, really fun mechanic. It's really, really broken, and they need to fix it because it's way too powerful. But it yeah. is really cool. Like, um, yeah, just sickening radiance. We're all trapped in a room together, yep. but my friends are fine. Exactly. You're getting sleepy. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. That's that's too much. Okay. It's mm-hmm. a cool feature. I don't want them to get rid of it. I want them to fix it. Yeah. Agreed. Well, I mean, I look, uh, we all played Skyrim. Like, I <laughs> I don't think you can do it. <laughs> no, see, Skyrim doesn't even let you make spells. Uh-huh. Go back to Morrowind, where I could make my own spells. I could make a fireball as long as I can afford mm-hmm. it that could do 99,000 damage mm-hmm. and just drop it on a city and eliminate everybody. <laughs> I thought I could make spells in Skyrim. No. You no, know, you cannot. You can't in Morrowind. It's been you 12 can in years, okay. and you can in Oblivion. Uh, okay. You cannot in, in Skype. Uh, okay. But yeah, th- they probably took it away because it breaks the game a lot. Yeah. <laughs> now you have to use items to break the game. It's fine. All right. Okay, so everything that we've talked through, uh, where do we think balance is right now? All over the place. Uh, long live caster supremacy. All of the casters got better. All of the marshals got more interesting. Uh, excuse you. Not all of the casters got better. Well, the warlock's not really a one caster now, ca- are they? One of the casters is explicitly got worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're hardly a caster. <laughs> yeah. Leave. Uh, <laughs> look, uh, warlocks are... Warlocks. Um, <laughs> Don't you insult my precious warlock. No, I, I actually do really love warlocks. Like, they're such a novel class, and they're so much fun to play, and people love them for a reason, and they've got so much good about them, and I'm really, I'm really sad with where they are design-wise right now, and I hope they fix it. But all of the full, regular spellcasting spellcasters got a lot better in a lot of ways. Um, well, what about uh, metamagic? Yeah, okay, fair. Uh, yeah. f- fine. Clerics, druids, wizards, <laughs> the, the, we don't talk ca- about sorcerers. The caster that you care about got better. Yeah, so I think that's right. <laughs> that's fair. Wiz- <laughs> wizards are doing great. It's going to be wizards year. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then it's hey, what, what did all the marshals got? Like, it's like, oh, weapon mastery. This is our gift. Uh, granted, <laughs> we- weapon Gra- mastery is really, really cool. Yeah, like, granted, weapon mastery yeah. is a great feature. Yeah, yeah. Um, like as I, as we were planning this episode, I wrote uh, everyone everyone else except the full casters gets weapon mastery. But hey, clerics can get weapon mastery too. <laughs> clerics are just continue to be better than everybody else. Yeah, except wizards. But yes, <laughs> <laughs> we we can't, we don't have time for that right now. I know. Um, <laughs> yes, so. I think they do need to scale things back a little bit on the full casters. Like they're really, really powerful and they keep giving them more things. Cause they're like, Oh, all of the uh, martial options for these full casters aren't great. What if we gave the caster options more? It's like, no, that's you're making it worse. <laughs> yep. Uh, there's a lot of good ideas here though. Like the sincerely UA number six is the best one we've seen so far. I am really excited about a lot of the things in it and a lot of the things we've seen are moving in a good direction. Obviously there's still things that we really don't like, like the new warlock, but you know what? Things are moving in the right direction. I'm on the flip side of that to be positive. Well, uh, rogues are great. Yeah. No notes. Actually. Yeah. Keep them, keep them the way they're going. I think you did rogues. Well, yeah. 
I think if we saw exactly what we have in the 2014 PHB, or sorry, the 2024 Player's Handbook, I think I'd be happy. Yeah, me too. All hail the Leisure Illuminati. I'm Randall James. You'll find me at AmateurJack.com and on Twitter and Instagram at JackAmateur. I'm Tyler Campster. You'll find me being a wizard on RPGBot.net, uh, Facebook and Twitter, RPGBOTDOTNET. Uh, yes, I'm on threads now. I need to do that too. Um, I'm Ash Eli. You can follow me on Twitter at Graven Ashes or on YouTube at Ash Raven Media. If you've enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcast and rate us on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. It's a quick, free way to support the podcast and helps us to reach new listeners. You'll find links in the show notes. You'll find affiliate links for source books and other materials linked in the show notes, as well as on rbgbot.net. Following these links helps us to make this show happen every week. If your question should be the question of the week next week, please email podcast at rpgbot.net or message us on Twitter at rpgbotdotnet. Please also consider supporting us on Patreon, where you'll find ad-free podcast episodes, early access to rpgbot.content, content, polls for future content, and access to the rpgbot.discord. You'll find us at patreon.com slash rpgbot. I made it through without a single voice crack until then. <laughs> you did fine, man. I'm glad you're improving. Yeah. Thanks.